Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get to Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Get to Vet, Trevor Maxwell here. I know you probably watched our video on on, uh, YouTube as we're recording this today. We saw yesterday. This isn't the exact same shirt. I have two of these. Liar. Uh, So don't think I'm a scum. Well, okay. I'm not saying I'm not a dirty scumbag who probably smells... But um, yeah, this is a different in soft shirt. So I just wanted to get that out there. Hey, and with me as always is, is my main man representing another organization I'm associated with, Humble Warrior. It's Mike Riggs. Yep. Humble Warrior is uh, started by uh, Elaine and uh, Heath Brewer. I was a wannabe with Heath Brewer and Nick Knoll back in the shoot, 2000, 2000, yeah, 2000, 2001 at Panama City. Yeah. Great organization, really great guy, doing good things. Yep. Hey, and uh, if you guys haven't noticed, Mike's Mike's getting long in the tooth with his uh, retirement process. And so we said, hey, you know what? We need to bring in some new blood here. And because, uh, you know, one of the important things is to stay relevant. This is a space that's very dynamic and nothing ever stays the same. Um, so we were lucky enough uh, to have one of our super fans, um, who's wearing a shirt today, get to vet t-shirt. He's the first person we gave a t-shirt to, uh, who also is about to start the process. And we thought, Hey, this is a cool thing. Uh, so we're going to have this episode today with Sean Bailey and I'll let him talk about himself a little bit here in a minute, but also stay tuned because what we're going to try to do is check in with Sean once a month as he goes through the process and do like 10 minute little mini episodes and see, you know, how things are going, what are some of the questions he has as a transitioning service member, and hopefully get some of that information out to the rest of you. So, Sean, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. Hey, everybody. Sean Bailey here, coming to you from uh, sunny, humid uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I'm currently a command master chief at a, at the, on, on the base, and uh, I've been doing that job for, I think I took over at that command last year at this time when I originally checked in was when they stopped all the movement for everyone due to COVID. And I went to another command because they didn't have a a CMC there. And then I moved back to the hospital. So been there for about a year. It's a great place to be. Um, Before that, I was on a destroyer. Um, Very uh, different place for me than uh, what I normally did uh, in my, in my career. I started out as a Started out in the infantry as a as a FMF corpsman, and I went to uh, did some time in a scout sniper platoon, and then I uh, was seeing a bunch of guys running around on Camp Lejeune with boonie hats on and all sweaty, and I'm just like, I wonder what these guys do. And it's like, well, these guys these guys are in recon, and it's like, well, looks like a lot of fun. So eventually, I went to went to Boone Clinic right there in Little Creek, Virginia, and I applied to go to the recon pipeline program. And I got accepted when I was there and started that program and did that for uh, probably 13 or 15 years, if I could remember recon and MARSOC total. And then I went from there to uh, 2013 and went to Camp David. That was a great time, totally different uh, 
adapting from one environment to the next. And, uh, and then from there, I went to the MEPS in New Orleans and I spent about 17 months there. And then, then I went to the destroyer in Norfolk and uh, spent about two and a half years there, really opened my eyes to what uh, I'd like to call the real Navy. I think some people spend their entire lives um, searching for what the real part is in their own DOD component. And that, from my perspective, after working with in special operations for quite some time, that is what I'd like to call the real Navy, different. And uh, then I was fortunate enough to looking at our little um, order sheet that they send out once a month. And they have all these different places where you can go to. My wife was just like, you need to get us to Florida. I'm just like, well, honey, that is not up to me. Whatever's on this sheet is what I have to pick from. And then the hospital was on there for three weeks. And I said, well, I'll give it a shot and see what they say. And I sent him a long message and said, you know, I speak medicine and, you know, hospital a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think I'm the guy for the job. And he said, uh, I'll get back to you in a week. And I said, okay. And then the next day he said, you got the job. Here's when you transfer, here's your replacement. And I was just like, man, that's awesome. So uh, quite a time. I think I just said before we started recording, this is June 23rd will be my 28, 28 year mark. And I think some of the constant themes and messages you hear when you listen to enough podcasts and people transitioning out is when you know it's your time, it's your time. And for sure, location had a lot to do with it. Once I found out we were in Florida, I was just like, yeah, put a pin in it. That's where we're going to set up shop. Couldn't agree more. I got my uh, I got my taste of the fleet early on. I you know it's I started off on the uh, our our affectionately named cell block sixty five, the USS Enterprise, and uh, same thing. You know I I knew I wanted to jump out of planes and blow stuff up and found some EOD guys on the ship and I was like oh that looks fun I, maybe I'll do that for a living. I was a fleet accession guy in the EOD also and and I can remember distinctly going through like pool week and that's where you have quite a few people drop on request or quit whatever you want to call it and i can just remember being down the deep end swimming you swim with your scuba tanks on and you you have your face down on the bottom of the pool and you're just waiting for one of the instructors to come down and beat your ass for 20 yeah. seconds mm -hmm. and i could just remember in my mind it was my dungarees that were up there on the pool deck and I would rather die down there than go back up there and get my dungaree. So that was my motivation. And, and I, there was no chance I was going to quit down there at the bottom of the pool that week. And it was a lot of fun, but uh, I just remember that was the, that was the symbolism that I had. And, and I had the fleet appreciation as well. Now, albeit I must admit, and people find this hilarious and I do too on my LES, it does say I have 26 days of actual sea time. That's a little bit, low i think i have closer to 50 maybe 45 so <laughs> let me squeeze in a few more in there but uh a funny story when i was in afghanistan on a on a staff i worked for a army lieutenant colonel who was a chemical core guy and a puerto rican dude awesome awesome guy and he's you know i can't i'm not gonna dare do a puerto rican accent on on this podcast but he's like hey mass chief how much sea time you have thinking i'd just you know slap down like you know I think I'd been in a little bit over 20 years at that time. I got a, more time at sea than you got. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Exactly. So he thought I was going to, you know, slap down, you know, eight, 
10, whatever years. And I was like, sir, I, I'm going to amaze you because I'm going to print out my LES. I'm just going to show it to you in writing because you won't believe it until you see it. So I did and I gave it to him and it was like, oh my, what? How? Because he had been on, he'd been a JSOC. So he had been supporting the Olympics, the Athens Olympics, like in 2004 and, yeah. you know, doing some maritime stuff, you know, with those folks. So he had some actual sea time. And I think he had like a year, year and a half. And he's like, oh, this is, this is complete crap. How's the army lieutenant colonel have more sea time than a, than a Navy match chief? And I was like, well, hold on there, high speed. How many combat stripes you have? And he had like, I think four or five, because he get every six months, they get a hash mark if they're in a yeah. combat zone. And I'm like, man, I don't know how many I have after this one, but I sure as hell have a lot more than you do. <laughs> Oh, all right. All right. I see the man. I've been a lot Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. that was the end of that. Yeah. It didn't have to be this way, but you took it there. Yeah. You know, it's what you were just talking about pool week. That was one of my favorite uh, memories from pool week was my last pool hit where they do the buddy hard hits. If people don't know, uh, the only uh, people that don't go to the Navy dive school in Panama city are like the army combat divers. And yep. of course the SEAL teams, cause they have at buds, they have their own dive school, but um, everybody else, Marine recon, MARSOC, air force, Navy, army, deep sea, like they all go to Panama city and yeah. they have this, uh, the third week is what they call pool week. And that's where, you know, they go, you know, you go down, you do your single hits, your buddy hits, you get your scuba tanks on and the instructor will dive down uh, into the 12 foot section of the pool and he'll mess you up. He'll, rip your tanks off. He'll take your regulator out of your mouth and, and tie the hose around the manifold. And you have to, you know, be able to hold your breath and get all of your stuff right again. And uh, so they have different levels of hits. There's easy, you're moderate and you're hard. And then you have to do it again with a buddy. And so my last hit of pool week, it was a buddy hard. So when they do the buddy hards, one buddy gets the hard hit and the other gets the light hit it was my buddy's turn to get the hard hit. And I had a guy from the, from the Marine combat diver class. He he's like, Hey, you guys need a safety diver or an instructor. I'll come in and do some pull hits. And yeah. that dude messed up my buddy. And I was just standing, you know, I was laying there. I have my hands on my straps and I was just like, okay, I'm just waiting for it to be done. And he just did one little parting shot for me. He grabbed my manifold and slammed me down and bounced my face off the floor of the pool <laughs> that thing split my lip open there's this big red cloud surrounding my face my last hit of dive school <laughs> yeah i remember looking at him like fucking marines and <laughs> yeah it's it was a good time you just swim around down there and you're just watching people get schwacked and you're just like you're just watching the violence unfold in front of you it's like i'm just waiting for my turn i'm not you know just a spectator until i'm not well, yep, because you know you go to the corner, and if there's somebody there in that corner getting their ass beat, you know you're safe because you're safe to the next corner. But you get that next corner, and there's nobody there getting your ass beat, and you just see shadows up above. You know, if it's like noon or you know in the middle of the day, you're like, oh shit, here it comes, and then bam, it's game on. <laughs> well, it was yeah. funny. You know, I went down to Panama City earlier this year because one of my guys from my last team made chief. So. He said, Hey, will you come down and, and put my hat on? And I was like, yeah. So I, we were there at dive school and I was looking through that new swimming pool. They have the, it's like 40 feet deep. 
well, they have a little thing that lowers down. So there's a 12 foot section. And I was watching all those kids get dive pool hits, just sitting there laughing. like, Oh, that's that a lot more a fun. metal. Great. That's a metal. Yeah. Great too. That thing is, that thing would be brutal to get pool hits on. Yeah. You don't want to do pool week on that thing. You want to be in the old pool. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where we were. I think when I, when I was, when I was in high school, my girlfriend at the time, she was just like, uh, I was, I, I wrestled, I played football and, and a couple other things. She's like, you should come out for this swim team. It'd be very fun. You know, you'd have a good time. And I just remember saying to her, this is like 15 year old Sean Bailey. And I said, swimming, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I would never do that. That's for girls. That's so, I will never be a swimmer. Then I joined the swim team. And then I realized what it meant to eat crow as a young man and realizing like that was probably one of the most influential moments in my life that I didn't know about at the time, because being able to swim and survive in a, you know, you know, hostile aquatic environment uh, is essential if you want to be, you know, in these, these types of environments. And, uh, and then at one point I went, I was, when I was with, when I was with the infantry, they asked me if I wanted to go to uh, McQuiss, which is Marine combat instructor of water survival. And I went to that and that was eye opening also. So, Thank goodness I had all that influence as a young guy and, and, you know, was able to swim because you, you know, you're surrounded by a bunch of, you know, big Marines and they put a bunch of people in the water and you're looking around and you're like, well, surely these guys aren't going to quit or give up. They're just, you know, specimens, man. And then they hit that water and you're just like, good Lord, where was this guy from? It's the great, great equalizer. equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I like that. I always like that scene in the the that movie, Kevin Costner movie, The Guardian, where they have that big jack dude. They're like, "Hey, everybody, get in tread water for however many hours." Yeah, uh, yep. That guy was like the first one. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I crept up." And same thing. I remember that it, it, even before I went to dive school, I was a mud pup there in Mobile Unit yeah. Two in Little Creek, and we'd go over to that to the Spec War pool. And yeah. yeah, first thing you do your thousand slick and then you do your base swim, mass fin snorkel and as your warm up, and then they just, you know, beat the hell out of you in the pool, like, uh, swimming, you know, we, we do the, try to swim the length of the pool underwater, which is, it's a 50 meter pool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that's tough. That's a requirement. Yeah. Treading water for, you know, I don't know. Sometimes they get mad at us and just tell us to, you know, put our uniforms on and get in the pool and sit there and yeah. tread water till somebody almost drowned. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it really is like, it's, it's crazy that that just goes, you hear all these stories about like, Oh yeah, this guy was a gazelle or he was a natural athlete or whatever. One of the things that, you know, you always hear the instructor say is, you know, the, the guys that I'm looking for or the, aren't the guys that like, this is easy for them. There's no effort in it. Right the guys that I want to work with or the guys who are struggling and suffering through the entire time and they're not quitting. They're not giving up. Right. Yeah. This is hard for them, but guess what? They're still doing it. They're still hanging with the guy who is putting, you know, little to no effort into it because I know like no matter how bad it gets that that person there is going to have my back when, yeah. you know, when I really need them. can also remember when I was at, when I started to, uh, started my accession process into recon. We were on Little Creek and they had this program called RMAT, Recon Marines Awaiting Training. 
and I've been training for, you know, I thought I was training and I'm getting myself ready and I'm running, I'm swimming and I'm running and I'm tying knots and I'm, you know, reading all these, you know, marine reconnaissance man publications on patrolling and things. And, and one of the first things we do when we get there is, is we had this, I'll never forget this guy. He was a master sergeant. It's like, all right, we're going to do a Marine Corps PFT, three miles, pull-ups and sit-ups. Everyone's going to come on under 20 minutes and then we'll start the day. I'm like, cool. I've been training for this for months. Not a big deal. So we knock out the PFT. Like two Marines come in under 21 minutes. And the master sergeant just kind of sits back. And he's like, okay, I see maybe some of you guys didn't hear me. No problem. We'll do it again. <clears throat> and everyone will come in under 20, 21 minutes. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm still in it. So we do it again. And everyone in this time, like three Marines don't come in in under 21 minutes. And I'm just like, surely we're done and he's just like all right i understand and he's just like calm as hell he's like i understand you guys need my help you're asking me for help so i'm going to give it to you we're going to do it again we're going to do it in formation and cadence and i'm going to lead you guys and everyone's going to come in under 21 minutes and i'm just like surely he's kidding right now there's no and these are all back to back to back this is like 24 year old sean bailey and i'm just like and then we all did it. We all came back and everyone came in under 21 minutes. And then we started our day. And that's when I, you know, I thought to myself, I'm just like, man, this guy is no joke. And this is just how it's going to be. So if they say this is what you're going to do, um, that's just it. So just, you know, get it in your head, put a wash over you, and uh, just better be getting after it because you're just going to keep doing it till you get it right or they just kick you out. Yeah, Foreman, I got a lot of extra love, um, unsolicited um, from the Marines. So I really, I really liked that at the time. Actually, I hated it, but I like it now. That was one thing I always I took away from uh, my my old chief on my ship on the Enterprise uh, when we go do stuff, and he didn't like it, and he he'd always say, "Never time to do it right the first time, but there's always time to do it over." And that's, that's a saying that stuck with me, like for the rest of my career. And, and that, that happened to us too. We were mud pups. They, <laughs> they made us, uh, they had, we had a dude the first day fail the, the screening test, which is, you know, it's like a 500 yeah. meter slick swim and push ups, pull ups, sit ups, run. And, and the dude failed it. And so we ran it again, like you were saying, we ran it a, a few times that day and, and we were just mad as hell at this dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kept like, you know, it's funny because they were like, we're either going to keep going until he quits or until he passes. And so I was the, the class leader and, uh, you know, I, I just come in from the fleet. I was an E5 and, and they said, hey, FC2, we're about to do this for a fourth time. He's like you ready? And I was like, all right, well, he's probably testing me. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to seem like a little bitch. I was like, all right, everybody, let's get ready. We're going to do another screening test. And then the guy, it was funny when he was running, he came back from running, he's just screaming like, ah, ah. And, uh, he, he said, I'm done. <laughs> like, oh my God. Cause I was thinking like, if we'd run this a fourth time, I'm probably going to fail. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Good times. But okay. So now we, you know, we know your background, we know where you've been and what you've done. 
let's talk about where you want to go next. Um, well, I know, I think the constant theme and message is, you know, get your location down first. So I think I have that. I'm not exactly sure where in Florida. Um, and I've been kind of tossing around a couple ideas on what I want to do. Um, I'm completing a degree in uh, Homeland Security. Um, I'll be done with that December, <clears throat> December 17th. Not that I'm counting the days, but, um, and to be honest, I'm not even sure if I'll use that, if I'm going to work in that space or not. Uh, but I started this degree in 2017 and I, I, I'm going to finish it um, and be done with it. Um, I was thinking about working for uh, the USOCOM Care Coalition. Uh, the folks that kind of assist people through the process when they get wounded. Um, I had a, a, a gentleman who, he's a, he was a retired SEAL at the time, but when I was at the school's house at Fort Bragg, I got in trouble and he, he took me to DRB. And later on, fast forward a couple of years, he was the guy that took care of one of my best buddies who was wounded when we were in, uh, in California. And I just remember his demeanor and how he handled the situation and just how professional he was. I'm just like, man, this is, you know, this is something I can get behind, um, still helping people out. And, uh, I was just always kind of very inspired by the guy, even though he, he beat me up a little bit, which I, I well, I deserved it without a doubt, but, um, so those are the two things. And then I was also looking at getting into, uh, there's a company called J Dog Junk Removal. Um, it's a veteran-owned company, so you know you get a, you, you know you lease a couple trucks, you go out there, and, you know, pick up trash and help people <clears throat> move their stuff. It's your basic, you know, you know trash removal type stuff. I gotta, um, yeah, I, I'm familiar yeah. with them because I know I know a few people who own franchises. There's a, a couple of dudes up here that that own one. And uh, I got to imagine in Florida, that would be, especially during hurricane season, you would right. probably, you got to think, busy. you know, you know, Florida, you got hurricanes and you got a lot of, you know, you got a lot of old people. So two things that are going to feed into that, into that business model. So, but I kind of want to do have a job and then kind of run that business on the side or kind of like get it up and running and then maybe put someone in there who's going to manage it something to that effect. I want to have that, uh, that other source of income. I forget what the name of it is. Supplemental. Diversify. Yeah. Diversify. Yeah. Diversify a little bit. Um, and have that, uh, additional money coming in that I'm not, you know, working on all the time. Your passive, passive income. Yeah. Passive income. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Oh, okay. Passive I was income. thinking supplemental. Yeah. So, that's, uh, that's kind of like what I'm, I'm thinking about, but you know, the more I listen to podcasts and the more I, you know, get emails and there's, you know, I think Mike hits on this a lot. You're so, uh, tunneled into the military mindset. There's so much you don't know. And there's so much other stuff out there. You know, there's private companies, there's better known companies. There's so much that you just don't know. So I think my answer to your initial question is I think I have a couple of plans that I'm willing to implement that I'm working on currently speaking, uh, looking to speak with some people that are working in those sectors that are working in those sectors. Once I have a break in my schooling for like 45 days, I'm going to hit on that very hard. So, 
So one of the things you said brought something to mind to me because when I was trying to figure, and I'm still trying to figure out what the hell I want to do when I grow up, but I'm getting close to really having to nail it down. But when I had uh, a coach for the honor foundation, Kevin, um, he was, uh, he was a Marine, got out and did a lot of Intel for uh, a lot of people that we've worked with. And I remember talking to him one day on a, over zoom and I said, you know what I, what I definitely don't want to do, Kevin, is I don't want to do sales. And he's like, Oh, okay. You know, all right, I'm good. I I get that. I get that. And I was like, yeah, never. I never want to do sales. Screw that. That's not for me. And then he kind of flipped it around to me and he's like, well, you know what? You say you don't want to do sales, but yeah, I, I do sales, you know, for the company that I work for. And it's more along the lines of, you know, especially someone with your background and he was, he had such a diverse background for the tier organizations that he had worked for in Intel. He works for a civilian company that specializes in that type of stuff. So when they bring in their pitch for a client and the sales folks are pitching that stuff, they bring you know, Kevin was almost like a closer to come in and go, yeah, you know what, I, I'm Kevin and I've been working for this work. I've worked with this stuff for like 20 some years and I highly recommend this product because I back it hundred percent and I would put my life on it too, because that's what it means to me. And I wouldn't put my guys on the ground, you know, if I didn't yeah. back this thing up, you know, <clears throat> and there are, there's industry like that for, for us as well. You just yeah. don't think about it. And I just didn't have that perspective until Kevin put it that way. Cause I was thinking, Kevin, I'm not selling vacuums. I'm not knocking on freaking Mrs. Smith's front door and selling yeah. our Hoover. You know, I'm not going to sell you the newest, you know, Nissan Sentra. There's no way in hell I'm doing that. But then when he put it in that perspective where it's like, okay, no, I'm kind of using my experience. I'm really backing a product up that I really maybe hopefully I really believe in because I believe in the culture and I wouldn't be there. Hopefully, you know, we give we give ourselves flexibility with a long career like we have to where we don't get mud sucked into staying in a place that hopefully we don't agree with the culture or we don't like the job. We just go move on somewhere else. But, you know, if you believe in what you're doing and you believe in the product and you're yeah. just going in there to close with your experiences you've gained over, you know, decades of doing it. I was like, Oh man, I never thought about it that way. Uh, yeah, I could do it. I could do that. Well, that's sales, Mike. That's sales. I'm like, oh shit. Okay, thanks for schooling me. So that was a big lesson learned as I've, you know, as I've gone along through this thing, you know, and it was just another one of those aperture opening things where you're like, oh man, I never thought about that. I guess I probably should look into that too. Right. And, and it's just as you look go along, you know, like I said it on a podcast many times, and you know, the lab out on the front lawn just being let off a leash finally after 30 years, you know it's just another one of those things that you eventually got to narrow it down, you know, and like we said at the beginning, you know, I'm at the three months and 14 day mark right now. And so I really got to figure that out. I think I'm pretty close to it, but uh, you know, like you said though, and Trevor's kind of, he's really executed pretty well. Getting that passive and diverse income, I think yeah. really sets you up for success later on because let's say, the real estate market, you know, craps to bed here in a couple of years. And, you know, you had rentals and you're like, well, I was really counting on that money because I cash flow, you know, $2,000 a month off of my rentals. And now, 
it's, it's not, you know, the rental market's down and I'm getting, you know, 500 and I'm just staying barely above paying the notes on them, you know, but then I got this other thing that's still doing really well. I got my military retirement, my VA disability. I've postured myself up for success to weather the storm and I'm not sitting on, you know, a two, you know, you know, two legged freaking stool. Yeah. You get to build some redundancies in your plan and it's nothing like, uh, you know, I've, as I was planning and looking at this, it kind of reminded me of like planning on going on, planning on like going on a deployment. Like I think I'm deploying somewhere to Florida. I'm going to need to talk to these people in this certain sector, have an idea of what I want to do in there. And then, you know, eventually you're going to go there, but, um, not and and I think we guys talked about this about times before having that having that retirement gives you gives you a little bit of flexibility because um, you don't want to make decisions when you you know you have to make you don't want to be forced to have to make a financial decision uh, you want to be able to you have that little bit more freedom if you have that you know that military retirement you have a you have kind of like an automatic backup but um, having a passive income I tell people. Uh, like the other master chiefs that are retiring right along me, you know, I, I asked him a question. I said, you want more money? You want more time? And uh, some people will say, well, I want, I want money. And I say, well, I want time because yeah. <laughs> time is, uh, is the one thing we can't control. And uh, if I have more time, I can make more money, but I want to have time. I want freedom. Um, that's, that's my currency. The time is the currency. You know, it lets me hang out with the family hang out with the kids. I'm going to go ride my Harley. I want to go take a trip. I'd rather have the time uh, than the money. So that's why, you know, this process is extremely important setting yourself up for success. That's, that's one where I couldn't agree with you more on because I mean, you and I have known each other for probably over a year now Mm -hmm. and that's the same way I look at it. Right. I, I talk to people, who are getting out of the military, I probably talk to at least at a minimum five or six people a week, um, people that I've just met. And, you know, I, I say the same thing to them, like, please, whatever you do, do not attach a dollar amount to your happiness. Right. Because if you do that, that amount's just going to get higher and higher and higher. Well, you know, if I make this much and I can do this, and if I make this much and I'm like, yeah, th- there's, there's a lot of other factors that go into that, you know, have a sense of purpose. For me, that's that's a huge one for me. That's why I like volunteering with some of the organizations I volunteer with and doing the coaching and doing this podcast. Like, yeah. guess what? That stuff brings me a ton of personal satisfaction. When I hear right. somebody or somebody reaches out to me and they're like, hey, I, uh, you know, I heard you on the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. They're like, yeah, that's a good stuff. And um, yeah, so I, I absolutely agree with you there. And the other thing is too, I think you talked about it earlier, but each state is different by far on the veteran benefits that they give, you know, separating or retiring service members. So it's key for folks to do their research beforehand, because what you don't want to do is end up somewhere like, for instance, for a lot of us, especially us older guys who've done special operations for so long, you know, you go to some place and, you know, next thing you know, uh, like it's a high real estate tax place. And you're like, oh, they don't they don't waive the personal pro- or the real estate tax for, you know, 100 percent disabled veterans. 
if I move five miles across the state border, the state line, I don't pay real estate tax there. And you see people like we have a good friend of ours that's kind of chasing. He's headed down to North Carolina, I think, uh, because he's kind of on the surface looking at the the benefits of the state of Virginia. And you're like, uh, I don't know, man. You know, you got to look at look at the whole picture and really total it all up because you know, like Virginia just passed this last year, where 100% permanent total folks get, you know, one car exempt from personal property tax. Well, yeah. When you buy a new Tundra like I did in 2014, and they send you a bill for it, and thank God I wasn't a Virginia resident. Uh, and I didn't have to pay the $1,700 every year. It depreciates, of course, but initially you pay for a, almost a $50,000 truck and you're like, oh, cool. I paid all that sales tax. That was awesome. And then, you know, what is it like four weeks later, the city of Norfolk sends you a bill for property, personal property tax for your brand new truck on top of it. And that's like 1700 bucks based on the the, the book value, whatever of the vehicle. And you're like, holy shit, I didn't even think about that. And for folks that get out and that, that have never thought about that and haven't budgeted for that, that can be a very rude awakening. Yeah. And even on your, uh, your EOD retirement checklist, it has on there. That's in the 24 month mark submit for state benefits package. Tonight. I got it from Florida and Florida is a state that will, you're 100% disabled. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact verbiage, but essentially you don't have to pay. Uh, yeah. I think it's real estate taxes. You don't have to pay your taxes on your home every year, or words to that effect. So it's on and, there. And it carries over to your spouse too. Right. And I downloaded it. I have a copy of it on my phone. So I'm at an airport sitting around. And I read it, read through it, so I can familiarize myself with it. And uh, so that's awesome that you have that check because I know I sent that to you a while back. In front of me. There's, there's a checklist that uh, there's a, a Navy EOD group. It's um, it's the Navy Special Operations Transition uh, Facebook page. And it's just a bunch of old retired EOD guys that all got together and put together this. Uh, Todd Neal is the guy who did it. Uh, he collected all this info from all these guys and made this huge checklist. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's really awesome. There's some stuff on there that maybe I would change. And I think, you know, Mike and I were talking about maybe taking that and, and making a checklist, a get to vet checklist and putting mm -hmm. it out there to people because, you know, that's, that's a Navy centric one, right? So it works for you. It's good because, you know, there's some of the stuff in there about diving and jumping that, you know, you're also yeah. uh, eligible for, but um we wanted to put together kind of an overarching one and, and have references from all four branches on there because I'm actually using that checklist. I'm, I'm working on uh, some air force guys that uh, take all these aircraft maintainers and, and they're doing a course for them. This guy reached out to me and he's like, Hey, could you help me put together some stuff for these guys? It talks about, you know, some of their benefits like survivor benefit plan and alternatives, TSP, um, just retirement in general. Mm -hmm. And so I've been using that as kind of like a guideline for putting together, um, you know, a course, a part of a course for them. And, you know, I figure we'll probably get it to like 95% and go back and keep tweaking it. But uh, yeah. that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that list came in handy. So since we're on that, let's yeah. talk about, uh, you know, cause we're going to check in with you, you know, at least once a mm -hmm. month, 
But let's talk about some of the stuff here, uh, the future for from a transition standpoint of like, hey, what, what are some of the things you have questions about and, and things you want to focus on right now? Um, I know. So my timeline right now is I finished, I have a break in school in September and I'm going to uh, work on my uh, work on reach. I'm going to be reaching out to the folks in the, the USO, USSO Comcare Coalition and then try to get on the uh, discovery day for J-Dog Enterprise. It's up in Pennsylvania somewhere. They fly you up there and you listen to their thing for two days. And then you say, hey, if this is for you, it is. If it's not, then that's okay. I think that's about it. Um, I know one of the other consistent themes is, uh, so start early. So I think I hit that one. Networking, I know I need to probably work on, you know, and, and this will come up. Oh, I'm going to apply for the Honor Foundation. I have my little go-by sheet right here when I need to apply. So I'm going to apply, um, I think in August, I think applications are due January 15th for that online cohort that starts. So I'm going to apply for that this year. And that's kind of like what I have in the works for the rest of the year right now. I do want to touch back on one of the things you said earlier was, you know, with regards to your degree and completing your degree, I think you're right to, you know, whether you use it or not. But I think for senior enlisted senior folks with a lot of experience in leadership and potentially going into management roles, you know, we talk with Harrison, you know, Harrison Bernstein, and he, he smacks us around for saying soft skills. So I'll, I'll say high person skills. Yeah, so yeah. you got your, you got your high person skills. High human. High human skills. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah, I too much skills, yeah. yeah. Your high human skills and you have your, your hard skills, but if you're not going into a uh, degree plan, like I was talking to another EOD guy that retired, I think a year or two ago, and he's doing uh, chemical engineering from Old Dominion University. If you're not doing a chemical engineering degree and you're not going into, you're not going into that, well, you basically have the Gerber tool of degrees just by saying, I've got an undergrad. So that just puts you at that level to open up that, you know, because you'll see a lot of positions are written for a minimum of or equivalent experience, you know, or, or those types of things. There's always those little wordings in the position description within there, but I still think it even opens up doors for us as senior enlisted folks that sometimes a lot of these folks and these companies, as they get more read into what we bring to the table, they're more likely to take risk and you not having that, you know, business administration undergrad. And you're like, uh, you know, I can teach this guy, look at what the hell he's been doing for the last 30 years. You know, look at the levels yeah. he served at. If I can't, you know, I think there's a great example we used several months ago, but if you can't teach this guy, this, these skills and within this company within a matter of a few months, maybe we need to look at what we're doing to begin with. Maybe we need to look at some of our internal processes and we need to question ourselves right. because this is a proven high performer and we can't even get him up to speed on this crap. So, you know, yeah. I think some of those companies need to, you know, I think they're getting real smart on that. And, and I think, you know, I think the route that you're doing and I commend you on it by checking the block and just getting it done, just knocking it out. Cause I think yeah. it's going to open up more doors for you than you would have had, had you not have it. Yeah. I, you know, I tell people, uh, it's not, 
you do what you need to do today so you can do what you want to do tomorrow. It's the pain today, pride tomorrow. So if you're not going to put the work in, then don't expect to get all this because it, no one's going to hand you anything. Um, I talked to a guy on the plane ride back from Key West the other day. We were down there visiting some of our folks and, you know, the guy told me, you know, he works in IT, you know, which that's not going away anytime soon. Very popular. It's always going to be there. It's not going away. And, uh, you know, he says, you know, we, you know, you see this in all the self-help books and leadership, you know, he said it right out of his mouth, you know, I, you know, I kind of was telling a little bit of my background. He's just like, yeah, we, we hire people all the time. And then we teach them what they need to know. It's like, we just hire for a character and we teach to competency. He's just like, it's, he said, it's, it's simple. He said, I've been doing this for 15 years. Um, I can show you how to get the certifications online and what you need to do. Um, but if you're not a people person and you're going to ruin relationships, uh, then I, then you're, you're not going to work here. And that's, that's not, that's common with any organization you go into. And I think like what you're saying there on, on the, um, on the plane, I mean, you're basically doing the, the proverbial cups of coffee thing that honor foundation is so heavily, you know, teaches, you know, and creating that bridge with those folks. And that's how, Later on, when you, you know, if you exchange business cards with that person or you're like, hey, let me, you know, let me talk to you. You know, I'm getting out in a couple of years. Maybe I call you here in a, you know, six months or touch base with you in a year. You know, just keep those contacts fresh. Yep. And that way, when, you know, when the green light does come on and it's time to exit the aircraft, you're like, oh, okay. You know, I've talked to this guy two or three or four times. He's still raving yep. about this company, about the culture, about the benefits package. I love yep. the location where they're at, you know, and, and, you know, they have positions that I'm really interested in. That's how, that's how you get in the door. You get in the back door, honestly. And that's what I've found. You know, I'm no expert on this, but I'm, I'm learning that it's the back door is how you get into the positions that you really want to be in. You can, you know, LinkedIn is a very powerful tool. Don't get me wrong. Glassdoor has it, tons of these other places where you can submit your resume all day long for these positions, all day long. Right. But if it's one that you really find meaning in and a place that you really find fit, it's not in most of the time, 95% of the time, I think it's not in the front door. It's in the back and it's brought in by someone already within the company. And I think Trevor's made this point before too, that they might not even have a position for you at the time. They just right. want to bring you on board because they don't want to lose the talent that they're recognizing and knowing that they're going to grow. If you're, if you're in that, if that company's growing and they know that they're going to have a spot for you three months, six months, they're going to bring you on board. They're going to train you on their internal processes and they're going to find a spot for you. So on and so forth. I've seen that happen to several of our friends that have gotten out. And I think that's, that's the way you do it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I like that. And I tell people all the time, you know, networking is what it, I forget what the statistic is. I don't want to be that guy that makes stuff up on the spot. I seem to remember, it seems like 80%, I think of all, of all position hires occur as a result of, of networking. And, you know, when you're networking, it's, it's important. I mean, it's kind of like an in-person resume, I guess is the way I look at it. Like you, you want to get out there and, and make friends and get people to like you and, and want to work with you and stuff. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. 
we have this conversation all the time, like the resume and your hard skills and all that stuff that, that may get you an interview that may get your foot in the door that that'll get you past the screening software and the HR person who's looking at your resume is like, okay, this, this guy has all the, but that interview, like you going in there and impressing somebody with who you are, that's what gets you the job. And a lot of that same stuff that gets you the job is the, is what's going to make you successful after you've got the job. Yeah. I mean, we've dealt with enough, you know, people in our time and, uh, difficult scenarios and conversations and you just know within a few minutes uh whether or not someone's full of crap or hey this is fun i can work with like i like being around this person they're you know they're funny they know their stuff they're humble you know they're confident um so employers know within minutes if they want you to be on their team or not so it's not it's not yeah. a mystery you have to know that before going in there And that's why I'm such a fan of the authenticity over the elevator speech, because you hear, you know, some of these organizations pitch, oh, man, you got to get your elevator speech, you got to get your elevator speech. I'm like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not selling myself as a used car, you know, because I come from a community that I can't bullshit these men and women. I I gave that up a long time ago. They're way too smart. Just be authentic and yeah. be open and the, and let it, let the cards lie where they may, you know, or I'm sure I screwed that up, but you know, if you're authentic, I think that comes across so much better than some bullshit scripted elevator speech that you can see somebody kind of looking up on the ceiling, trying to remember what their words were for their, their fourth line in their elevator pitch. And you could just feel it's not, it's not genuine, you know, yeah. if somebody asked me what I want to do, you know, and I tell them, yeah, well, this is where, you know, this is my background. This is where I come from. You know, this is what interests me. This is what I want to, you know, this is the kind of things that make me want to get up on Monday morning without an alarm clock. And you're going to have to kick me out on Friday afternoon. You know, that's, I think that goes so much further than some BS freaking elevator pitch that somebody spent, you know, the better part of two days trying to craft like a freaking Ed- Edgar Allan Poe freaking poem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's it's funny you mentioned that because, like, you know, when I got out, went to financial services, you know, I, that was part of our training. Well, let's hear your elevators p- pitch and all that. And I got to the point where after a couple of years, I don't do that now. If somebody's like, "What's your elevator pitch?" I've had people say that. Well, what's your elevator pitch? I'm like, okay, that the fact that somebody says that to me now, to me indicates that that is a bullshit process like you said right i don't so i tell people like hey dude if you want an elevator pitch go talk to that guy over there from first command um because i i don't do that shit anymore right go go on the internet go on linkedin see the stuff the content that i put out there go to our website but and then you and i can have a conversation um if if you need somebody that gives you that elevator pitch and wears a suit and tie and and all that's great but you know i'm not that guy Right. And I don't want to work with somebody who, who needs that. I, I've gotten to the point where I've been successful to the point where now, Hey, dude, this, this higher fire process is a two way street. If uh, you know, I, I demand a certain level of respect when I'm working with somebody. Cause I tell them like, Hey dude, I am not your employee. I am a, you know, we work together, 
Um, and you know, either of us can break this relationship off at any time, but yeah, I, uh, sorry for the rant. I just, when people say the elevator pitch, I'm like, ah, I, I understand the intent of it. They want you to be able to communicate who you are and the value that you bring. Um, I just think it's, it's garbage now because I would go to all these networking events where you stand around with a beer in your hand and say it 30 or 40 times. Hey, so what do you do? Oh, well, you know, I help my clients, blah, 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 blah. And after a while, I was like, I am sick of doing that, man. Like I did that 25 yeah. times in two hours. I'm done with it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I told you this before, Trevor, I, I, I worked with you because I, I trusted you. There was a, there was a bond there, you know, and I, and uh, you know, we know some of the same people um, and People, people don't buy your product because they like your product. They buy your product because they, they trust you and they believe in you. So um, it doesn't really work the other way around. Um, and people know if you're full of crap pretty quickly. Well, yeah. most, most of us do. Most if you've been in, been in the Navy long enough. You, you know when someone's telling you a lot of crap. So it's, it's not difficult. But yeah. um, uh, people buy what you're selling because they trust you and they believe in you. Um, the product is just the product is just a product. Yeah. And I, I think you just get to that level where you're like, all right, dude, I'm fed up with this. You have that moment of brutal honesty where it's like, I'm, I'm not going to do, cause that, you know, me personally, I hate salespeople. I go to a car dealership and, and talk to people and I'm just like, I know more about every car on this lot than you do. Yeah. Like, get out of my face. Right. Uh, I just, I get it, man. And I hate it. And I'm like, I refuse to be like that anymore. If it costs me business because somebody doesn't like that, I use too many cuss words during our, our first conversation that it's like, yeah. Oop. oh, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. So, but um, I, I know we're kind of getting close on time here. Um, so be, before we hop off here um, until the next time we have like another little mini session, what, what questions do you have for us as guys who have gone through the process? Um. I don't really have any questions, but I did have one thing on my, my list that I wanted to make sure I got out before, before we close, but I wanted to, I kind of wanted to get in the beginning, but now we'll get it at the end. And uh, I just wanted to say one, thanks for having me on. And then two, I have a, a very profound respect for, uh, you know, a bunch of people in the military, but specifically, you know, EOD techs, dog handlers and pilots. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times that those guys have uh, either saved my life or a teammate's life. Um, over the course of so many, so many deployments and things like that. It's just, uh, it means a lot to me. And I think that was probably one of the, the thing that closed the case, you know, when we were working on that stuff, we worked on a couple of year, a year back. Um, uh, so I just want to make sure I put that out. I want to thank, thank those folks uh, that do those, those very highly dangerous jobs. And uh, there's probably a lot of people that wouldn't be, you know, literally walking around today if it wasn't for those types of folks. So I appreciate it. Um, well, I'll tell you, nobody, nobody takes the, nobody's taking the long walk without having solid dudes like you back there that if we do get our shit blown up, that we know you're going to patch us together, at yeah. least get us alive through the golden hour and get us back to where we need to be to hopefully, you know, get us eventually back to the States and maybe not one piece, maybe a few pieces, but, you know, it's really solid dudes like you that makes it that much easier to go and do the things that we've had to go do. Yeah. I reciprocate that. You know, I appreciate the yeah. trust. 
It always makes me feel good. Again, that brings like the high degree of personal satisfaction to me to hear people say that. But, you know, I, I'm, I, to echo Mike's sentiment, I'm in that same position because I've been in some spots with some, seen some nasty stuff happen to people and having guys there like you who are like, I, I've seen it, like, especially Corman, uh, you know, one of my deployments, my last deployment to Afghanistan where our, our SEAL platoon leader, got his foot blown off by an IED that corpsman yeah. the seal corpsman ran right up to him grabbed him and pulled him out of like the danger area and mm -hmm. uh you know and then me and him were working together and sure enough you know as the helo was coming in like it just started getting all kinds of fire and stuff and and he he was like hey let's get on top of him right so <laughs> me and him yeah. were he, he was the one that said, it's like, Hey, let's cover him up. He's already messed up enough as it is. You and me can, can take a hit. And I was like, Oh, okay. But same thing, man, that's, you know, having, having guys who have, have been there and are willing to put themselves before others. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an honor to be able to work with guys like you and to have you say that about me, um, makes me feel a lot better. And, and we're glad that you're able to, to participate in this too, because, this is something that Mike and I are really passionate about and, and hearing more and more people say, Hey, yeah, I really like listening to your podcast and, and I've gotten some good info out of that. I, I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff to ask what, what, what's to ask from you guys. I think, uh, I think just checking in, I think that keeps, that keeps you honest. I think that keeps people honest, you know, once a month, Hey, what are you doing? Um, uh, there's an accountability piece there. I, I think I, I kind of know what I'm supposed to do. And I, now I just need to carry out the plan. And I think it's just having that, uh, those left and right, a lot of limit checks, those rudder checks every once in a while to make sure, Hey, now you said you were doing this. Now you're kind of going over here. Did you change your plan? Oh yeah. Well, I was thinking about doing this, that or the other. So um, I, I know you guys are available for questions and that's, and I think just being available is, is fine. That's all you can really ask. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, so that was something else, I guess maybe I can uh, talk about that too. Um, something Mike and I were, were talking about and something we want to start doing. I think we'll probably put out a video soon uh, discussing that. If you're listening to this podcast, we want to hear what your questions are. So if you can yeah. send us a quick video, uh, whoever's listening to this, send us a quick video with your question on LinkedIn, or you can email it to us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's G-E-T, the number two, vet.net. Uh, send us a quick video with whatever your questions are, and we want to start doing little videos where we answer those questions. Or if it's something that maybe one of our guests is better suited to answer, we'll try to get them to answer it too. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. And uh, we'll put out another crappy video of us telling everybody about that. It'll be way better than our first one, so... No, the, the synergy is great. I listen to you guys on drive when I drive to work in the morning. And, you know, I, so I feel like you're there with me all the time. So it's kind of neat, you know, it's all the time. It's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Hey man, we appreciate you coming on and uh, it was good to, good to see you again. I know we just saw each other a few weeks ago when you were up here in Portsmouth, but um you know, I, I'm glad that you're enjoying the show and, and that people are getting value out of it. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you again here in about a month. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Sean. I'm looking forward to passing the transition baton to you. And, and let's see where this goes, man. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care, everyone.
Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet.